Welcome back to Real Talk. I'm KC here today with Danielle and two guests. And we are talking about, well, frankly, we haven't had the conversation, so we're going to see. <laughs> but we're talking with some folks who have a lot of experience in education, in um, higher ed, lower ed, um, folks who care a lot about transformation and have stories to share. Today we have Alva Hansen, um, and he has taken his journey from public schools um, to higher ed, working as a full-time faculty member for a first-year um, experience, um, program coordinator, excuse me, and then um, teaching intro to environmental science at Tunxis Community College. That is a new name to me, everyone. I wonder if it's a new name for you. <laughs> um, and then we have Patricia Gagliardi, um, and she has started her journey also in public education, working with, um, would you say at-risk youth? Yeah, I would say at-risk youth. I'm always interested on terminology because it always changes. We should get so into I don't that. So I don't think we're using that anymore, or I haven't heard it. Um, and then is back at Southern, where she did um, her undergrad. Um, working in the DEI office. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, Patricia and Alva. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. So it was uh, one of our colleagues, actually, who was like, you know what? You should have these two on um, because of who you are individually, but also your relationship together. And I didn't actually ask too many questions of that colleague. I was sort of like to be surprised on the air. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if you all could tell us the story of how you came to know each other. <laughs> yeah, how did y'all meet? How I met your mother. Yeah, you're talking about it. I don't know. We actually had some, we had a connection before we met, but we didn't know as of yet until we met. So um, I met Patricia. I was teaching down in Washington, D.C., uh, like close by Anacostia. And if you know anything about uh, D.C., it can be the wild, wild west sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a call from my old boss who we actually had a falling out and she got a hold of this new job and this new position. And she called me down in Washington, D.C. and asked if I would want to come and work for her. And at first I was a little bit hesitant about it. But um, my wife at the time, she was at law school at Georgetown Law and um, she had just got a job clerking. In New Haven. So I was like, oh, we're going to be heading back to New Haven. So I was like, absolutely, I'll take this job. So I got in a car, rode up to New Haven, which I'm actually very familiar with because I've been coming to New Haven all my life. And I drove to uh, the interview, which was downtown New Haven. And I walk in and I walk upstairs and sitting outside on a bench was Trish. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. I come in being extra Alva-ish. <laughs> talking and friendly and like hey what's up how you doing and she's there and she's like who is this guy you don't have to lie i was crying my 20 <laughs> 21 year old self was crying because i didn't know how to parallel park and I was <laughs> super nervous <laughs> i wasn't gonna throw trish underneath the bus and like, you know snitch that's she not can my throw thing. herself that's yep. okay but yeah she was uh she was a little bit uh tearful and I was like, what's wrong? And she was just explaining that, like, how hard of a job it was to parking and get out there. And I was just like, all right, whatever. I'm just here to get this job. I already know I got the job. So it is what it is. And at the time, we were supposed to walk in and meet the uh, superintendent at the time. And he was going to give us this interview. Mm. Um, and I knew of the superintendent. I'm not dropping his name as of yet because I'm not here to throw anybody's, you know, underneath the bus. But the interview was pretty easy. He goes... You know, I heard you down in D.C. He was like, yeah. He goes, I like it down there. I'm like, pretty good. He goes, yeah, there's a lot of fun down there. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he asked me, how's the women down there? I don't actually know because I'm married, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then he asked me about Binge Chili Bowl, which is a famous spot in D.C. Yep. for a burger. 
And he asked me about U Street and stuff like that. And I was like, all right. And he was like, well, welcome to New Haven. He's well, better yet, welcome back to New Haven. I walked back out, interview was over, and then I think Trish went in after that. Yeah, mine yeah. was uh, a little bit similar, but more focused on how I was going to be able to maintain a classroom full of adult men, really. They were over age, As undercredited. As a 21-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Lord. So you were interviewing for different jobs. The same school, but he was for science. I was for English. Uh, yes. And, and we really already had the jobs. It was a formality because mm -hmm. the principal at the time um, was coming in, and it was under that superintendent that wanted to reduce um, expulsion rates and dropout rates yeah. and was like, listen, we're just kind of piecing this together. We just need people who want to be with this population, yeah. and both of us wanted to be. Yeah. Um, him with much more extensive experience, me with just coming out of – Southern, um, having done like half a year at an ACES school that was okay. for behavioral students. And so we basically, yeah, we had the job. It was a formality, but that was our like first introduction to one another. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and then, go ahead, go ahead. No, I mean, because the administrator at the time, um, like I complain a lot about the administrator. I think Trish has uh, found the new found love for this particular person. It was like, without this person, I wouldn't have gotten my start. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, this particular person was one of the reasons what drove me to hire it. Mm -hmm. So, um, interesting. I, one thing about this particular administrator, she had a knack for surrounding herself with really, really good people mm -hmm. and the people finding out very soon that, um, she's off, but we're awesome. Let's work together. Mm -hmm. And so, from that point on, like um, Trish and I were like really great friends. And I was like, hey, you know, like, yeah, this administrator is a little bit off, but like, you know, she allows us to do our thing. Mm -hmm. mm. And it, fun fact, we it, found it, out it, we uh, share the same birthday. Only mm. yes. 14 years apart, though, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> we are recording, right? For the record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the very first day of class was on our birthday, which is oh. a uh, I think is pretty bizarre because back in the day, school used to start in September and yeah. not August. Oh, that now is exactly the reason right. why the gig was awesome. <laughs> Correct. You know, and then every year they got closer and closer to August. And so now school always starts around our birthday. When is and your so birthday? August 25th. Oh, oh yep. That'll do. And so like we're in class setting up and I'm like, yeah, Trish, blah, blah, blah. It's my birthday. And it sucks. She goes, it's not your birthday. I'm like, yeah, it's my birthday. And she's like, it's my birthday. And then we both pulled out our license. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the very first day of school. Mm -hmm. Became really good friends ever since. Had a freaky Friday moment. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. So then how long were you both um, at the school? I think, you know, when I think about, because I've never taught K-12 I spent some time in preschool classrooms, which I, probably, I quite like. Um, but then when I'm in higher ed, I'm like, I cannot imagine teaching all day. Mm -hmm. Because for us, college, like, I, I mean, two, two or three classes a day, that is a full day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I just like, I, I get how you could go from that side to another. I can't imagine going from higher ed to teaching all day. Mm -hmm. You'd never go backwards, would you? I would never. Well, I mean... It's a different, it's a different job. The only reason why I would go back if I had to, and if I had a really good, decent leader to, to do what they need to do. Like I always love saying that I love being someone's Robin to someone's Batman. I just need a really mm. great. Man. Yeah. The Robin, I can do the cap, you know, be Captain Kirk. I could be a great spot. Yeah. 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 You know, leader, I do my best work when I'm not under the spotlight, you know, mm. Um, the only reason on why I will go back because I mean I got a lot of love for the Elm City I mean I've been coming up to New Haven all my life and it sucks that I had to run away mm. to be able to you know find my passion for teaching again yeah um, if I can go back I mean you know the money's a little bit better mm. you know teaching all day kind of sucks but like I think the payoff is a little bit different because I can see it immediately right there yeah. and I run into the same kids in my community mm -hmm. but now a 47 minute drive from New Haven to get the Tunxes to the parking lot. And I mean, like, I love the community here. This is a great spot. But um, I do miss teaching folks that I live in the same city. Yeah, so sure. Mm. That would be the only thing that would probably bring me back if 
I can find somebody who is on point that's going to handle business in the K through 12 area. And I'm not saying that a lot of people in New Haven aren't doing that, but it's tough. It's very, very tough. Yeah. Tell us if you would like just paint a picture of the, the school, um, your experiences there. You were there for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the high school we worked at, like I said, the premise for right reducing mm-hmm. expulsion rates and dropout rates. Um, it was in a swing space. That space had been used for so many different things, um, and it really didn't have a school feel. When we mm. actually moved in that year, the entire basement was storage for the city, mm. um, and they were expecting yep. students in a couple of days and to just cram us on the first floor, which yep. was um, an elementary-looking space, not big enough. Um, lockers were, you know, really short. Where not was big it? enough for, um, On the corner of Halleck and... Um, and- Sar- Sergeant Drive. Mm-hmm. Oh, so right next hell. to Jordan's. Yeah, okay. jo- we were there before Jordan's, but yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it smelled like chlorine, remember? It smelled like a pool. Because they once had a pool that um, <laughs> then was like filled in. Um, and so I will say that the administrator at the time was like, no, students need more than just this, you know, top floor, which they had been used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we spent the entire couple of weeks leading up to it, like completely cleaning out mm. I mean, so much junk um, to make sure that every teacher had their own classroom because that wasn't the norm and that students had enough space to actually kind of freely move throughout and have somewhat of a high school feel because it was Mm. such a small building and students were coming there a little bit resentful that they had been um, essentially tossed out and this was their only, you know, opportunity to finish up. Um, So we we did want to create some sort of a sense of true high school feel. I can understand that because that's basically the experience I had with my first high school. I went to New Haven Academy when it was still uh-huh. not in New Haven, and it was mm-hmm. in Hamden on Leader Hill. Yeah, um, and it was basically three hallways, and the rest mm-hmm. of it was, I think, I think elementary mm-hmm. downstairs, and we shared a gym, mm-hmm. um, and we shared a cafeteria. So mm-hmm. you know, there's I could count, I could probably count us on. Nah, I couldn't count us on our hands. Probably fingers and toes. We were we were a little bit, maybe like. 40 to 50 students in the school um and yeah that was basically the exact same experience you know Mm -hmm. the the lockers and Mm -hmm. i don't think everybody had their own room yeah the bathroom i think there was only there's only two bathrooms Mm. yeah there's only for the whole floor mind you so you know if 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 recess and stuff was out you catching kids (laughs) you know and them kids was bad uh, um, <laughs> I think it's bad, but yeah, it was the exact same experience. But I think it was because it was a new high school, and they were um, finding somewhere to store mm-hmm. store all the new schools. Mm-hmm. That's before they started doing all the brands, shiny new buildings, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. They were just storing people and everywhere because I think that's the old SNAP building. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, and that's that's yeah. what, how students felt like they were just you know being stored essentially, mm-hmm. and it was just mm-hmm. like get their diploma so that they didn't meet the quota that didn't look good for public school, New Haven public schools. So they're so. not like technically expelled, but they feel felt like well, we are yeah. exiled. Essentially yeah. it was kind of like that or come to this school. Mm-hmm. So yeah, whatever sure. their, whatever their situation was, um, we had a lot of students coming to us. Um, unfortunately, if they were like outplaced to, you know, um, a youth detention center or mm-hmm. even some jail time or, mm-hmm. you know, severe issues of truancy. And so they had been out um, students re-enrolling who had, dropped out um a lot of parents we had a lot of yeah like just you know students that had a different path um coming there so yeah it was i mean the school was open for eight years until the superintendent came through another superintendent and said um you know for funds we're not we're not keeping this alive Mm -hmm. even though we we honestly grew the school so originally when we got there that first year there were about 40 something students on the roster Mm -hmm. Um, and then of that, only, you know, 40% were showing. Yeah. So, um, and we grew that to have 120, which was max for what the building could actually hold. Wow. Okay. And, you know, we were getting about 80% attendance. So we, we made something great out of yeah. nothing, essentially. Mm. You know, there weren't funds coming our way. It was just kind of like create what you can with the people you have. Yeah. Um, so when they closed it, I'm, I'm still a little bitter about it because it was a great spot. Um like they it? closed it, and then now it's kind of reopened. I don't know if it's still New Horizons. They're back in the the old building now. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not New Horizons. It's a a similar kind of program, but they kept yeah one 
one kind of school like that available. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you all learn about yourselves um, as teachers um, in that experience? Like, I'm, you know, like, Alva, you're coming in with more experience. You're brand new. So I mm-hmm. imagine there are mm-hmm. <laughs> perhaps some tearful days. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I would say the one thing is, is that I was willing to take anything. I was willing to come back to New Haven, one, because the interview was going to be extremely easy. Um, one of my favorite sayings that I was always um, used to say coming back to work for that administrator, the devil, you know, is better than the devil you don't know. Mm. So I knew what I was getting into with that administrator. Mm-hmm. But part of the reason on why I was so happy to run back was because D.C. at this time, I mean, I could throw them underneath the bus because I'm not going to run into those guys anymore. <laughs> I mean, like it was teaching under Michelle Ree. Um, she had just started doing that whole uh you know, teacher evaluation thing. And she got really famous as a result of that. Um, and like, it was, it was, it was just insane on how things were operating in DC that I was like, Oh my God, I would take anything, mm. anything rather than teaching in DC. Like those kids were like, they were tough. Like they had um, the airport metal detectors. Okay. Their book bags going through and then they had to get you on down and like like it was i mean guns and knives outside on the perimeter so like i mean i ran into some kids throughout my time but i'm like this whole dc situation was new so um i can remember working at dc and like not having insurance and like my paperwork wasn't getting done right and it was just really insane and so like being you know working in in Connecticut, things worked, you know? And so, like, for me to come back to New Haven, knowing full well, at least the basics were going to get done. I was going to get my insurance right and my paperwork right. I would take anything. So, like, um, it was very doable. I had some really great colleagues to work with. Um, and the students were coming from New Haven. I mean, like, I grew up in the Ville. So, like, mm-hmm. I knew what those kids were about, and it was easy to connect. That's where I'm from. <laughs> You know, I started teaching in Connecticut, so it was like almost coming back home and a little bit of a relief, even though I knew I wasn't really happy with my administrator. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll take that. So um, I don't know. It's K through 12 is tough. It, it, it can build you up. And so like when you make the jump to higher ed, like you said, like just teaching two or three classes, I can do that standing on my head. Like, mm-hmm. like currently I teach six classes Oof. sometimes. <laughs> and five classes and everyone goes Oof, just like that i'm like uh-huh. i mean it's I'm, I'm teaching adults i don't have to justify f's mm-hmm. like yeah it is what it is so it's a little bit easier for me mm-hmm. to make to say that i want to throw my colleagues underneath the bus who are teaching for that's what they're used to so sure. like you know i don't know public education can make you a workhorse yep mm-hmm. and not even actually know that you're actually being taken advantage of but the job is the job you do what you have to do mm-hmm yeah, that was always the uh, selling point, right? We're doing it for the kids, and so it was the reason why you always went above and beyond. Um, but, you know, back to, like, what we learned about ourselves that you had originally asked. You know, I, I grew up in a predominantly white Italian Catholic town, very similar to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, came to Southern, and I think that was, you know, now, after all my learning, I know that this is not a diverse experience. Mm-hmm. Um but it was for me mm-hmm. um, at the time. And so, you know, Southern sort of catapulted my my learning journey. Um, and then I got to New Horizons and I realized I knew nothing about yeah. anything. Yeah. Like literally. Um, I mean, students, yeah, tearful days. <laughs> Had a lot of advisors. Um, I remember coming home one day. So, so October was the first student who was murdered. One of, and oh my gosh. October. And then was by the end of the year... Yeah, and then by the end of the year, four had been murdered, and wow. two. So when you were say October, you mean October? Like my after first year. you started. Yes. Oh my mm-hmm. god! Okay. Yeah, and so you know, I was going home wow. on a daily crying. No, it wasn't. Wait a minute, I'm sorry. That wasn't V Love. It was Freaky. Yes. Yes. Yep. Right around the October, right before um, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was in April. I think V Love was the, the last one around Easter. So we had four students, and um, I went home one night and I'm crying as I usually did. And my father looked at me and was like, you come home crying one more night, you're quitting this job. 
I was like, no, I'm not. I love this job. Um, <laughs> but I quickly realized, like, yeah, I kind of had to, how do you? Figure something out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for me, I think it was even more of like a, a like a shell shock. You know, Alva was kind of like, yeah. like Yeah. Um, Coming from the boo. Yeah. And so, I it's mean, I learned. Yeah. I, I say all the time, those eight years, I learned more than I could have ever taught. So it was, it was honestly one of some of the best years. Yeah, there were some of the, I mean, it was a really good, a good time and it was a good feel and it did, you know, suck that we were losing a lot of students. Like, I mean, depending on where you are, especially with New Haven, the violence goes up and down in different mm-hmm. ways and it changes, but it's still kind of the same. Mm-hmm. And then you get old, you know, OGs and everybody saying, oh my God, it was different in my day. Nah, it's, it's just, exactly. It's exactly the same, just different players, different technology to get involved with. Yep. yep. Um, the music might change a little bit better. I mean, I think the rap during that time was crappy during that time, but now that I'm older, I'm wishing like, man, I wish I could get that good stuff back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming out and mac and cheese, and I was hearing about all that random stuff in New Haven. But um, like Trish was saying, it was like the violence was always there and we were losing students, but we were doing our best to try to like save a lot of the students. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of students were resentful that they had to get there, mm-hmm. but after, you know, the very first years of establishing ourselves and then the staff, we had a phenomenal staff. Like we really worked well together. Um, but the part that was so rough about it is like, I don't think we always got the support that we needed from outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, when those things were happening, the very first time it happened, they sent the counselor kind of to our school. Um, And then afterwards, like, we didn't get anything. Like, you know, nobody was coming to support us. And so, like, we had to do a lot of stuff ourselves in-house. And I think that built a lot of character for, you know, a new teacher like Trish and, like, Mm -hmm. myself, like, working with other people who cared. So, like, I don't know. It It was a very interesting time. Very interesting time. But I think after a few years, like, it got old very quickly. And so, mm-hmm. like, my burnout was already, like, starting to set in. And I was hoping to figure out a way to get out. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about, I mean, like, uh, being passionate about something as a teacher, really caring about the community that you're serving and working with. Like, that paired with the constraints and not getting the resources you need over and over and over. I mean, that's, like such a recipe for burnout yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was um so i mean i was kind of warned about the burnout right alba would say like <laughs> go slow take it easy and i was and i, I just, well, you don't know what you don't know and yeah. so i was like yeah. i can sustain this forever and so you know mm-hmm. school didn't end at two o'clock i was who was i taking to a job interview who was i taking yeah. to like pick up their child because they didn't have right. a ride well, like, how do you I, say no to that you right know? yeah taking you know girls to their doctor's appointments i heck i was in the room Lifting a leg, like helping one of my tri- my students. Yes. She was having her child. Get um, out. Yeah, and I'm and I'm her, and I'm her godmother. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, like these were That's the things intense. that we did because. Yeah. Wow. You know, I mean, in the middle of the night, you oh. get a call. Like, yeah, you know, we my brother and I have nowhere to go. I mean, am I gonna not answer? Not. Yeah. Um. So lines were blurred. I was definitely mm-hmm. um not sure. recognizing that the burnout was happening. Mm-hmm. But um, it wasn't until, you know, I got older. I mean, yeah. I was in my young 20s, sure. um, got older, you know, got married, start having kids of your own. And you're like, yeah, I cannot sustain this. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, that was hard because you had to swallow that you couldn't be there mm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And we knew that, you know, in school was one thing, but it was the, the hours, you know, surrounding the school day that really is yeah. when they needed you the most. Um mm-hmm. So I think there was a lot of guilt for me around that, around having to like recognize I can't be everything. Yeah. Um, and Alva always reminding me like, can't save the world, Trish. So. But how yeah. do you like, if it's not you, what, did you have somewhere else to go? Obviously this is a special population of students. Did they have like a group of resources or were you guys literally like the, the sun, the moon and the stars, you know? I would say, like, we were a lot of times the sun, the moon, and the stars for them. Because um, you're there every day. Yeah. We're able to survive, day. right? Mm. Uh, but it was just, it was a relief when you came into the school. It was like, oh, I could put my feet up. 
Yeah. So I, lots of times that was part of the reason on why they acted out because it was a safe space for them to like mm. get a chance to decompress because I know a lot of our students were out there and they were on it mm. and like having to be on point all the time because if you know you get caught lacking like you might not be there the next day yes yeah stress and it's very stressful to watch that and then see people like you know have to deal with that all the time and then like you know reminding folks constantly like hey you got to make these good choices and like knowing you know realizing that maybe that was their best choice based on the resources that they actually had yeah sure you know that can be traumatizing for them and as far, you know, for the teacher as well, because like you're there to help by nature. You mm. want to get people ready for whatever they're going to do. That's the job of the educator. Yeah. You know? um, and to know that sometimes maybe like, you know, just being able to provide a safe space, provide them with some food. Um, shoot, we had a kid that one time he fell, his teeth got chipped. And then like somehow we figured out a way for the kid to go get his teeth fixed at a dentist, like, mm. like mm. we were hustling yeah. to make it work. And like, that's good. But I mean, is that the job of the educator to just be hustling? I don't want to hustle. I mean, mm. I want to work. I want to teach. I want to go home and I want to feel good about myself. Um, And after years and years of that, it gets really tough. And you're like, man, like, you know, it's either going to be me yep. or the job. And yep. I don't, job is going to go anywhere they're going to find somebody to replace me so like i got to make sure i got to preserve me and that's what i was trying to do all the time with trish i'm always i was always in her ear like hey you're destined for bigger things than this this isn't going to be this can't be your spot mm-hmm. like you're not going to be able to maintain especially if you're planning on starting a family and yep. want to be there for your family so mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, of course there were resources in the community, right? I mean, we were in New Haven, mm. but the relationship was so key. Yep. Our students were not willing to, you know, just go engage with someone that they yeah. didn't meet. You know, we'll Call we, some phone number. Right. Yeah. We, we spent a lot of time building that relationship. Um, I mean, to this day, that first graduating class, I mean, again, they're like a year or two younger than me. They <laughs> still text me, hey, miss, uh-huh. <laughs> and want to check in. Um, and, you know, nothing will ever feel better than that, that, you know, yeah. like, you, you know, like that some of them really, you know, are doing great and like they want to check in and let you know where they're at because you played some role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, building that social capital is good. Like just the other day, I hit up a former student because there was some street stuff that was happening in New Haven that I'm not privy to anymore because I'm not in the K-12 area anymore. But I needed to know because there's some neighborhoods that I still cut through mm-hmm. out to the student. And he's like, no, yo, Hanson, this is what it is. I'm like, yeah, thank you so much for letting me know. He didn't need to. This kid, I haven't seen in maybe like six, seven years. Yeah. And I can still reach out and I built these relationships with these students that now it's starting to pay off for me at least. And that's part of the reason on why I want to teach because like, again, I'm not sure where I'm going to end up. Um, hopefully somebody might run into my kids, run into my wife, run into my friends. It's like, oh, you know, Hanson? Oh, you get, you know, you can come through. You can cut the line. I'm going to hook you up because this guy looked out for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. That's what I try to do as educator. Yeah. So, so looking at where you guys are now, like, what was that transition like when you got from such a unique experience for so long, and then you had to leave that? Mm-hmm. You know, not yeah. by choice. Yeah. So, so Alva left New Horizons before we shut down. Got so I'll I'll the first one. Yeah. I, that's one of my things. I always know when to leave the party. Yeah. <laughs> like seriously, in all essence, even in real life, it never happens during a party. It's always the let up. Like mm-hmm. when the club is over, that's when it goes down. Mm-hmm. So I always found the way of making sure that I can get my exit out before it can always fall to pieces. So I left New Horizons first. And then I went to another school in New Haven and I thought that was kind of annoying because he had me teaching robotics and like modeling and planning to kids who were, I mean, not to say that special ed kids couldn't understand that. It was special ed at the other end of the spectrum for the high end learners, mm-hmm. but they were taking that program and trying to bring it down to the low end earners, um, learners and like. Without the resources. Foul because they were actually giving them too much to deal with. And mm-hmm. I Right. So like, I want to say about like 2013, 
I started trying to figure out like how to plot my exit out and not the dream of teaching in higher ed. I wasn't sure if that could ever happen. Um, and I don't know. And I wasn't sure if it was actually really going to happen because around 2013, they started talking about um, mock courses, massive open online. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, for sure. They, like everyone was like, oh my God, that's going to be the death of college and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh man, and then, like, do I want to go there? And like, I'm not sure how it's actually going to work. And like the whole online thing was still up in the air. Magically COVID came and like solved that problem. They figured it out. But like, I wanted to make my exit and I wasn't sure how I was going to make my way into uh, teaching in higher ed. Um, and then I got hired teaching first year experience which was well out of the bounds of science, but I was willing to do anything mm. about it because like I had to save myself and I got lucky enough to get this gig. And I told them that I would do that. And I got hired full-time to teach first year experience, but I'm still a science guy mm. and I didn't teach biology. So that's how I figured out a way to be able to teach intro to environmental science. I will never teach biology at this level again, because like, I just had so much of a traumatic experience teaching it at in you know K through twelve. Like it was just too much. Mm -hmm. So like I escaped first. Yeah, and then you know I stuck it through. So New Horizons shut down. I was like, now where? Mm -hmm. And I was really hopeful that could I go to middle school and make mm -hmm. more of an impact when they're younger. Earlier. Um, so I went to a K eight building in New Haven. Um, I think my I knew that there was like injustice and like the system was broke where I was, mm -hmm. but it was meant to be broke for them. Right. So I was just yeah. like, okay, this is supposed to be like this. It's working how they want it to. But then when I go to this K eight building to see a, the segregation in new Haven, which was mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah. just so in my face at that point. Cause I, yeah. though we worked in new Haven public schools, I never felt connected because our school was so different on the outskirts. We weren't included in all the, you know, mm -hmm. the English teachers all got together. Right, like we were like, has this oh. number of high schools, they don't count you. No. Yeah. yeah. We'd go to like, I'd go to like English um, seminars and they'd be like, oh, New Horizons, you're a party of one. You go in this room. And it was yeah, like all okay. the other teachers were like, you know, kind of cohorted together. I mean, that's just how it was. So I never felt a part of the system mm -hmm. until I recognized K-8 these schools were the same way, set up the same way, designed, mm -hmm. which schools were designed to succeed and which weren't. Mm -hmm. um, and so in one year, I got burned out there. Wow. And I said, I just can't, you know, and, and I was, you know, I was probably making enemies with the administration because I'm, I was always the bug in the parent's ear. Like, this is happening. This is what you need to fight for. You have the power. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I definitely got burnt out in a year, joined the leadership team in a different K-8 building, um, and that's where I finished out. And once again, just fighting the system and, and recognizing that they don't want the system to change mm -hmm. um, and trying to infuse restorative practices and social justice model and, and everything I was trying to fight for to create true systemic change, not yeah. what, how are we going to change our curriculum, yeah. but literally how are we going to change the structure of these schools and yeah. why they are designed the way they are. Mm -hmm. um, I finally said, like, I just can't do this anymore. I mean, it was taking a severe toll on my emotional, mental health. Mm -hmm. I was coming home with nothing left in my cup for my own children. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not a good feeling. Yeah. Um, and definitely, yeah, I just had a, a total epiphany that I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, and then this job came around and I thought... So um, that wasn't that long ago. No, no. Mm -mm. So I just joined the end of August. Um, the day after our birthday <laughs> was my first day here. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, this job came around and um, one of my best friends who works on campus mm -hmm. sent it to me and she was like, nice. if this wasn't written for you, then I don't know who it was written for. Um, and yeah, I'm like blessed to, to be here and to actually be able to sort of do what I really want to do mm -hmm. in a role that is designed for that. Not always trying to squeeze it in and make room for it yeah. right. um, in a system that, that said they wanted it but didn't really want it. Yeah. Well, I would say the one big difference between Trisha and I uh, it's like Trish has a great heart and was always super, super positive. Um, she always wanted to work to try to change the system. I was a full believer that the system would never be changed. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, and like, I always love to hide within the chaos. 
until, you know, I'm sought out to be like, hey, you need to actually get this done. I'm like, no, why am I doing this when I know you guys actually don't want that? I'm not here to play that particular game. Mm -hmm. Um, So getting and trying to convince Trish that like, listen, you're not going to fix the system. You have to figure a way out. And I was always in Trish's ear like, this is not where you're going to be. You need to go somewhere else. You need to figure this out. And so like, I kept telling her about higher ed and like how great it is now that I was there because that I made the jump first and I got there and then like um, I had Trish and I actually were still talking and like I got her to do some adjuncting here Mm. at this and I think she liked the taste of that and I was like yeah okay but I don't think (laughs) what she was going to do I knew she was destined for this particular job and so when her friend told her about the job that she currently has now and then she told me about it I'm like see it's by design you need to figure this out. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But I kept talking. I kept talking. I kept speaking to her. And eventually she believed. Yeah, because I can talk myself out of anything. <laughs> yeah, Can't I don't think it was going to actually happen. But, I mean, Trisha's very smart. And she's she's got enough sense to surround herself with some really good people. And her heart is really good. And, like, she's doing a really great job at doing what she's doing over there, I believe, I hope. Um, but I don't think. David understood the value. Mm. I think later on they're going to figure out what they lost, which they tend to do. But um, yeah, like I don't think she was being valued for what she can actually do in that particular system. So I'm happy that she made the jump in the transition. And well, I, well, I mean, were they valuing you? I mean, you think about black male science teachers. Yeah. I mean, I mean when you all were talking never. about like your experience there, neither one of you were talking about anything happening in the classroom. Right. You know, you're talking about like your social work basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and your outside of school work, mm-hmm. not like have no idea what you were actually teaching. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I say I learned way more than I could have ever yeah. taught. But I mean, Alva was teaching and he was teaching mm-hmm. science in a way that I would go into the classroom. Cause I was like, that's how that works. Like the way he had the ability to teach the content mm. to his audience yeah. and actually let them understand it and have access to it. Mm. Uh, it was, I mean, it's still tremendous. I don't know that I ever had that skill set, right? I was much more of that social work, that mm. friend, that, that advisor, but he actually could do both. And like the content delivery was amazing. Yeah. I've never had that ever. <laughs> And I can think of people right now that could actually use it. Like my brother, for Absolutely. instance, you know, young black man in America still struggling to, to get his grades up in community college. Mm-hmm. He could 100% use it. I don't know. I mean, like, I hated being pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is, it's like they find out that I'm really good with the kids, right? And then mm-hmm. now this mad stack with all these, you know, these Mostly dudes, for the most part, oh, you can handle that hand, so you can handle that. You got that. And they're like, that's true, but I also can teach as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, most of the time, I always used to say the default was teaching, right? Like, when in doubt, I might as well teach because this isn't working over here. Mm-hmm. Let me just teaching as well, too. And like, I think, um, I think one, I think a lot of students were happy because I've been, I've heard a lot. You know, I've heard a lot that I was their first black male teacher. A lot of folks go through school and not actually have a male teacher. Mm-hmm. Pitch and hold is like, oh, you're the sentry, you're the BT, or you're the guard. Like, no, nah, I'm not that dude. You know, mm-hmm. um, then if I'm not the um, BT, the sentry, or the guard, I'm the gym teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm the science teacher. <laughs> no one ever believes that I'm the science teacher. But then once they find out that I am the science teacher, and they're like, oh, okay. And then like, I don't know, I just try to teach the students the way I want it to be taught. Mm -hmm. And I think what works the most is that I'm transparent. I'm honest. If I don't know something, I let them know. I do not know. Um, I always try to use science to connect. Um, I'm a big hip hop fan. Mm. Um, Use hip hop. I grew up during the golden age of hip hop. So like I'm well versed in a lot of hip hop stuff and I listen to stuff. Because I know what my com- uh, you know competition is. My competition is so on um, social media, um, mm-hmm. games, music. Mm-hmm. So you're not staying current with the. I mean, I love saying this word: the zeitgeist or the mindset of the student. Like, who are you as an educator? You can't teach people that you can't connect with. Yes, it makes so much more sense to try to connect with people 
and build that relationship. It's like, all right, now let me tell you about mitosis and let me hook, uh, you know, hit you up about like, you know, the mitochondria and stuff like that. And then I'll bring it away that they can actually understand. But like, you have to build these connections first. So most of the times, like, you know, before Kevin Hart was super famous, like, who's this fake looking Kevin Hart guy? <laughs> <laughs> I know y'all thought of it, maybe, you know. But now, you know, I mean, I, it. it was given Kirk Franklin, but it's okay. I mean, I'll take it, you know, but uh, I get a wide range of short guy jokes and, you know, you look like this person, you look like that. And I mean, I'll take and I'll run with it because, like, it's not really about me. It's really mostly about the students. So, like, if I can connect with them on that level, you know, it makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I don't know where I was reading. I don't know. I was reading something of all the things that I read. And it was talking about how people of color kind of thrive in community and really do thrive on connection when they're, you know, doing things. Whereas I, I think they were speaking on how not people of color are good at, like, listening to authority and things of that nature. But we, like, we're, we're not really here for your authority if we don't know you. You know, we're not here for your authority if, like, you haven't earned our respect. And I think some people don't, you know, as we're trying to figure out the muddy realms of how do we deal with difference, I think a lot of the answer has been that everybody's the same. Mm. Um, and from blind. what I, yeah, yeah, the colorblind thing. Oh, I hate that so much. Um, and And we don't catch on to those nuances. Because what you're saying is exactly how I used to teach my brother, like, mm-hmm science and and you know some of his math things i was like all right so you know when you watching xyz one two three or remember when you used to watch da, 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 or you know how in this song it said da, 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 like that's that's how i would be getting him to understand it and he'd be like yeah you know what like that makes a lot of sense and i was like you know what that's exactly how i wish i would have been t- taught things mm-hmm. um because that brings it back into a realm of like things that we're used to because our schools may or may not have talked about all of these things from, you know, inception, from K. Um, and so some people had access to schools where they might have brought these things down. They might have seen it in real life. Somebody's father taught science. Or, you know, so it, it was a real thing in somebody's life that they could relate to. Um, and also the way that they learn, um, you know, in that independence. But when it comes to us, we really work in community. We work in reference. We work in reference to community and culture. And that's like super, super big for us. You know, in everything we do, everything you see all over the internet is just black people and people of color connected to community constantly. Um, so that's something that I wish would translate to higher ed. Not that mm-hmm. you have to pander. It's not really about pandering. Mm-hmm. But I think it really would be useful if we try to to really understand who students are and like how they are. I mean, it translates different for everybody, not just people of color in America. Like you have the Asian student coming in from China or something like that. What is their processing? They completely have a different process of what the educational system looks like. I mean, they, they bow, they, they really do have a very high reference for their professors and stuff like that. So if you're not used to that, you know, there could be lines where they're just like, I don't know if I'm disrespecting you. Um, I don't really know how to say your first name. And you're just like, I mean, I just want to be called like, like Dan. And, and they're like, no, no, Mr. 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 Something, you know, so so it could really freak them out and cause stress because it's a very different cultural shock. So I think learning those nuances, like you said, and really just trying to know who the students are is beyond just like what their skin color is. It really is just tapping into culture. Like culture is mm-hmm. super important and it means so much more than just like the color of someone's skin. Yeah, we, we definitely had teachers come through New Horizons, right, who didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're quickly, you know, mm-hmm. running for the hills, because if you don't know how to connect on the human level. Yep. And then if you're not willing to learn others' culture and find those connections, you weren't going to be successful. Right. And yeah, we saw we saw a few examples of that. Yeah. That's exactly how it was at New Haven Academy. You had some people that everybody loved and you had some people that were just just not it. I still talk to Mr. V from New Haven Academy. He knows who he is. Um and and everybody still talks to him on Facebook all the time. Like he's still part of the culture. He's still part of everybody's lives. I think he's like Greek. He's a Greek guy, but he's he knew everything and he really knew how to talk to us. Like that's how I read. I'm I, I'm not gonna say his name because I'm gonna butcher it. But um, 
what is it? Something is it something of God? No, things fall apart. Mm-hmm. Things fall apart. I never heard of that in my entire life, and and this Greek man is what introduced it into my life, and I was like, oh my God, like this is a thing, you know. So it really also is just like who's motivating you, who's showing you yourself in in literature and things of that nature. I was interested in things that I never would have been interested in in that school, mm-hmm. and it's because they really were trying to tap into. Um, you know, I mean, I wasn't at risk, but that's who a lot of the people were in the school. You know, we had fights in the classrooms. It got a little crazy. People getting jumped. So I understand that fully. And um, those populations really just need those connections. And if they were taught in that in that way, we wouldn't have a whole class of people that mm-hmm. failed geometry because right. the teacher, unfortunately, this poor Indian woman, but she did not understand our culture and she did not understand those students. And I was like, this lady's not going to make it. I mean, there were times when they was throwing calculators at her. Mm-hmm. She got Skittles thrown at her. She blamed the whole class for stealing her glasses that she found in the desk. She locked us in the room because she thought we stole the glasses. I mean, it got crazy. So if you really aren't tapping into who you're teaching, like you really have to like what you do mm-hmm. when you're teaching. Because if you don't, mm-hmm. it's, it, could get, it could get really insane. Mm-hmm. I would say the big difference here is uh, when you make the jump through, you know, to higher ed, technically, I mean, I was just teaching about this in my class. You don't actually have to make those same connections. Mm-hmm. Higher ed. Like, yeah. And I try to, uh, you know, um, teach my students. I always make this random joke uh, about R. Kelly with P. And I don't <laughs> but now my joke is now with uh, P. Diddy because like that whole thing on Twitter. So like kids don't understand the three P's for the most part, you know, and then depending on where you're actually coming from. So like, you know, students on a higher level are affected by three things, your peers, your professors and the policy. They can figure out the peer situation for the most part. And if you can actually teach them well enough, right, they will actually advocate for themselves towards their professors, right? So, like, that's still dealing with, with you know, with people. Mm-hmm. The last is the policy where a lot of students get caught up with. Um, mm-hmm. And policy is where a lot of professors, from my position, being coming from K through 12, is where you can hide behind that extra other P, the podium. Mm-hmm. Policy in your podium, right? You can hide behind those things. You don't have to be as nurturing and caring. Mm-hmm. You don't have to actually make these connections. Yeah. You just stand up and profess. Yeah. 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 Can be a and, so, and so for the most part, a lot of folks like like right now, like, oh my God, Professor Hanson, you're the best. Like, all oh, the students like you and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. I mean, I'm just taking what I already know, mm-hmm. you know, K through 12. And then like, again, like how I want to be taught, like, so Within like the very first two two days, I need to learn all my students' names. Mm-hmm. As soon as they walk through, I'm like, boom, 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 boom. I'm on it. Why? Because like again, how do you connect with people if you're not learning their names? Mm-hmm. There are professors who sit there and don't know anybody's names. Yep. I'm not there to judge them. That's not that you know. Do what you need to do. But I'm trying to hustle here based on what I know. I wanted to stick. Um, again, I think building up that social capital works because now, guess what? All my classes get free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hansen, yeah, he's this person because I'm making these connections. But like again, like the three P says like peers, professors, and policy. And your policy, it doesn't say anything in your course outline or syllabi, syllabi that says like, hey, I gotta get to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I need to teach you, keep it moving. And I think you will become a better professor or a better educator if you're willing to put in the time to try to make those connections. And I think the difference is in the higher ed, you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. And then you don't get it like, like, you know, you could get some benefits from it, but there aren't really that many negatives if you don't build those kinds of connections, because you're only going to deal with them for about what you meet with them 30, 30 times. There's only 30 days in the semester. Mm-hmm. And like after that, they're gone. So why am I willing to connect? You know, and if I see them in the hallway, like, all right, whoever you were, it is what it is. But like, you know, I find it very hard to teach students that I'm not connecting with. And so like, very hard. Yeah. Going mm-hmm. So like, hey, Hanson, hey, 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 you know, and it, again, it's building that social capital that I think pays off later on. But again, professors don't have to if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. I say this not like your teachers are going to get fired because the whole class fails. 
um, once you get to the to the college level. So it really is on students. So I try to tell younger students, like, get it together. But it is also, you know, unfortunate that that they kind of go from, not that you should be cradled, but it is weird to kind of go from, I've seen the people that I'm going to be around every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've learned my teachers. I understand my teachers. I see them all the time. We still see each other in the hallway to go to the polarization of college. And I think that's where a lot of kids mm-hmm. get turned around. You know, I had a friend that absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. was teaching herself pre-calc and she 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 was like, I miss home, and I dropped out. I'm like, bro, you're at Quinnipiac. We live in Hamden. You're in the same town. But she just couldn't, you know, she just couldn't. And I feel like it really did have to do with the fact that it it's completely different. Mm-hmm. And it really is all on you, and that could be incredibly um, intense for, I think, a lot of students, especially if that's not the culture that you like or the culture that was cultivated for you. There's not a home space. Yeah. Like, we teach them, or, you know, they get taught, I ain't no teacher. They get taught, you know, in, in the younger grades, the content, and then also that social element outside of class is very big. Like, it's like family. Mm-hmm. And then you come to college, and you're like, I don't know anyone. I don't know how to know anyone. My professors don't know me. They're really harsh, really strict. Mm-hmm. School's you know? hard. Yeah. And, and there's nothing outside of that to kind of, like, catch them. Mm-hmm. So, it... it definitely is a very interesting transition just seeing that yeah. i think it gets harder like for a spot like like a tungsten that you don't i mean now we're called ct state so mm-hmm. ct state at tungsten or ct state at Housatonic or whatever like so um merging all the uh, colleges together which you know some people are not a fan and i'm like eh, doesn't matter to me because i'm happy on where i am just let um, us know when you're leaving leaving the party, okay? <laughs> oh. <laughs> When's the time to get out? Yeah. Exactly. All right. No, no doubt. Uh, mm. I mean, I don't know, man. Education keeps taking these hits. Yeah. It's resilient. But I don't know how much more we can take. Like, so I was talking about the mock online classes thing mm. and people getting all up in arms and then like, like, oh my God, like it's going to be the end of college because like people are going to just take these classes and it's only going to be one professor. They're going to get rid of professors and then COVID hit. And then now we all figured out how to get online. Mm. Now, the one thing that everyone's all upset, like, Oh, we're merging all these colleges together. And like, you know, we're going to use our, our, you know, our, um, our, 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 our own personal um, personality, our like, you know, our own uniqueness and they're all getting merged together. Mm. And, you know, that's one thing, but like the big thing that's actually coming through right now, this whole AI thing. And yeah, like, I know. like people are all freaked out about that. And like, I mean, can we take another hit? That's chat, CBT, whatever. And all mm-hmm. of them are all freaking out thinking like, there's no way we're going to be able to survive this. But like, I think we're going to be able to survive that. But the next onslaught is like, again, I'm not taking any shots at people in Florida. Florida is a little bit crazy, but like if my man DeSantis can do what he can do there. Yeah. You know, eventually it will come for us. So, mm-hmm. like when adjuncting here, I'm like, "Hey, you guys have no idea what's actually coming. These students are a little bit, of, you know, different. You know, and like a lot of professors, are like, oh yeah, 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 because they don't know about that particular world as of yet. But I mean, like, it's coming. You know, uh, AI and like laws. <laughs> Interesting. It's the whole landscape of like higher education and like. I think we're lucky enough to be safe enough, I guess, right now. In mm-hmm. But, like, that could change mm-hmm. at any given moment. And so, like, the question is, can education be resilient enough to take these particular hits? And the people who are, uh, you know, who are the, uh, the workers and the people who are buying into it, are they going to be willing to roll with these particular changes? And a good educator is always reinventing themselves. Mm-hmm. But then you have a lot of gatekeepers who are like, you know, I'm stuck in my ways. Yeah. Like, how is it going to happen? Or are they going to be able to evolve and change with what's coming? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I have no idea. I have a lot of hope. But I'm not sure if education can keep taking these hits like this. Mm-hmm. And, like, we have to figure something out. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I think about all those things, too, in terms of like, 
the value of public education. And I see people leaving to go to, you know, private spaces and cushier situations mm-hmm. where they can just, you know, focus on their job. But then like as somebody who's super committed to public education, to accessibility, um, it's hard. It's hard. And it's, and it's a, I'm often like navigating that tension of like, um, like having to be hopeful, having to reinvent, having to create, which is like also part of the, like, it's what keeps teaching interesting. Um, it's never the same. Um, and then also like on the other end, trying to like stave off like despair (laughs) at the same time. I mean, it's hard (laughs) in day to day situation. Um, but as we're doing this, um, like in the last few minutes we have here, I'm wondering, um, thinking about people listening and how, um, uh, you know, people who are training to be teachers, because they're still, you know, we still like have, we, we like, we, we're at a regional state university that trains most of the teachers and we have folks listening mm-hmm. um, around the country who are education professors, um, who are educators struggling with all the things that we're struggling with too. Um, like what, I don't know. From your experiences, what thoughts, um, like final thoughts might you have to share with those folks? So we were just talking earlier, um, and then we got off, and I I kept making connections because then I got an email about grad students who are um, actually educators currently and are Mm -hmm. pursuing their leadership degree, um, and they're lack of understanding social justice and how it relates to education. And um, we were talking about, you know, the the awful video that we saw this weekend and mm-hmm. how can police officers, especially police black police officers, mm-hmm. um, doing this to another black male do that. And I thought, and we were talking a lot about training mm-hmm. and it's all about how you're trained and, and what you're conditioned to believe and think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we have an obligation at Southern in preparing future educators and our current educators who are coming to us for leadership degrees. Um, It is so important to bluntly and quickly acknowledge what are the ideas and beliefs Mm -hmm. and unlearn those and in their face really kind of show them what they're missing or, you know, Mm -hmm. what they need to, you know, learn differently Um, because we've been conditioned to believe that certain students are not deserving of mm-hmm. an education mm-hmm. that, you know, other students are when just because they're born in a specific town or have the money to attend a private school mm-hmm. um, that they're not deserving of. And so, you know, making the parallel between um, what the officers did and what our educators do, mm. um, right, by thinking that sure. lowering the bar and lowering mm-hmm. expectations is the way to... Um, just kind of pass students along. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what they're deserving of. Right. And so mm-hmm. how do we, as a public institution, make sure that we are demanding our educators look in the mirror and, and really kind of understand what they're showing up with and mm-hmm. what they need to, to unlearn and relearn? Right. I mean, yeah, I guess that's one way to think about like higher ed is like sort of like the end point of a student's educational journey. But actually, it's a whole ecosystem because we're training teachers um, who are already working or who are going to go into the field. Um, And so we're highly connected to that Mm -hmm. um, educational ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And we are we're serving so many New Haven public school teachers, right? Because this yeah. is the obvious choice when they're working here and they're just driving here to get their master's or to do their their leadership um, program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how are we giving back to New Haven public schools? Yep. Um, what is that relationship like via the people right in the system? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just thinking a lot about that and, and even what's my role? Like how am I going to kind of push my way into some of those spaces and, and just try to to make sure that our students that will forever be in New Haven Public Schools are getting the best education with the people who are willing to show up and get to know them, despite Mm -hmm. if their cultures are different, if their skin color is different, if their religions are different. How do you truly engage with that audience, get to know them, care enough about them, that you keep that bar high Mm -hmm. um, and never lower it just for them to, just for you to think that that's how they can access it? Yep. Well, what I would say to any future educators who are hoping to get involved, I mean, it's a hard job. Um, You're not going to get rich doing it. Um, I would say that, like, again, you might be helping somebody 
to transition out of a different life. I'm a firm believer that education saved my life. Mm. But like if you're in the classroom, you know, just try your best to make as many connections as possible and see these people as human beings. Uh, you know, try your best to, you know, elevate them so they can actually make their own transition into their lives. Like, the, like we're the gatekeeper for everybody else's professions. We train people to get ready for all these other jobs. Mm. And like, we play a very important role. And I mean, I say it all the time, all is well when well is for all. Mm. And if you're in the business of te teaching people to do the right things, it would actually help and benefit, you know, the rest of us. Like, an educated society is better than one that's not. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We have a role to play, and I, I just want folks to be resilient and not give up because this isn't this isn't an easy task, and it's not going to get any easier. It's going to get harder, you know, before it is going to get easier. So, like, I just hope that people realize like how important it is, mm -hmm. and what the role of education plays, and like it's the great equalizer. Yeah. Oh, man, well, thank you both so much for joining us today. And I do, I do understand now why our colleague was like, you should talk to them together. Yeah. Um, because of your overlapping experiences, your, you know, your longtime relationship, that image of you crying on the bench in the parking. <laughs> no, for, like she was crying for real, for real. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Um, and just thanks for sharing your your insights, your thoughts, your experiences. Um, yeah, thanks a yeah, lot. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to me rant and rave from me. <laughs> That's literally what we're here to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Patricia. And I hope to meet you guys in real life in person. Absolutely. Yeah. We're here. Yeah, I'm city. actually not that far away from you. I'm in Westfield, so I'm around the corner. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.